Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Facts. Facts. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to interact with you, so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. They are all right there. You can interact with us at any time. We'd like to chat after the shows. Parlay Points, new blog section. Got a lot of stuff going on there. T Public sale going on this week, Pad. Ooh. It's springtime. Yeah, What's better way to go into the nice warm weather then with some new ODPH swag. It's springtime unless you're in the northern part of the country, mainly like North Dakota, Minnesota, where I saw their, their forecast. They get like two, three feet of snow. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> y'all, y'all can keep that. I mean, personally, I'm all good with that. But, you know, I, I understand it's the warm weather, so that's why you got to get some new swag. And what better place than T-Public? Links are right there in the show notes, and they're also on odphpodcast.com, where everything and anything that is ODPH is right there at your fingertips. So make sure to swing on over and always use the hashtag ODPHpod on social media. But kicking off the sports edition of the podcast, we have to recap one of the stronger UFC cards in recent memory, Pat. Yeah. And that is UFC 273. So let's break it down, shall we? Yeah, so we're going to talk about the main card. Uh, We're just going to quickly go through the first two fights on the main card and then really break down the three uh, fights that took place after that. Uh, first fight you had on the card was a lightweight division fight between Mark Madsen, who defeated Vince uh, Paichel uh, by unanimous decision, 30-27, 30-27, and 29-28. Yeah, kind of a little debatable there, but I don't really struggle with the outcome too much. Like, it was, it was it, when it's a split decision like that, it could go either yeah. way. Uh, and then the other one was a women's strawweight division fight where Mackenzie Dern defeated Tisha Torres in a split decision uh, where the scoring went 28-29, 29-28, and 29-28. Yeah, nothing real too shocking there. I mean, it kind of went the way we all thought it was going to go. Yeah. You know, in, in that aspect. But this was just kind of a little tip of the iceberg. Obviously, the prelims was doing some good things, too. Yeah. But now we jump into the meat and potatoes, as they say, yes. of the card. Yeah, so the first fight uh, we're going to talk about here, or the next fight, I guess I should say, uh, it was the highly anticipated welterweight division matchup between Kazmat Chimaev and Gilbert Burns. Of course, uh, Chimaev, as we mentioned last week, had not lost in any goddamn thing that I can find, mm-hmm. uh, professional, amateur, or any other sport. The dude is like a ridiculous uh, win win percentage, uh, which is a thousand percent. Yeah, uh, and the fight ended up lasting longer than I think a lot of us figured it would. Uh, with Kazmat Shemayev emerging victorious by unanimous decision, twenty nine twenty eight, twenty nine twenty eight, and twenty nine twenty eight. So this fight was a true test to see where Shemayev was really standing. And this is one thing that when the UFC has these hype train fighters, as mm-hmm. we like to call them, yeah. When they're really tested against the elite of their divisions, right? we really see if that train can stay on the tracks or if it falls completely off. Chimeyev weathered the storm. I'm not saying that he looked great in this. Right. Because I think that this is the first time we've seen him 
with real competition. Mm-hmm. And I think that for everybody that said he's ready for Kamaru Usman, needs to fall back a little bit. No, he's not yet. He's not there yet, but this is still a strong win because the first round he was implementing a lot of his his will. He was definitely looking like the stronger fighter, and Burns was weathering the storm as right. well. Like that's the one thing that I can say can define this fight. Sure, this was a test of who could stay in the pocket, who could take enough damage and keep going forward. And Burns hung in there very, very well. Chimeev seemed not to change his game plan a lot in this fight, right? And I thought that that could have been a little more scarier. For him, but Burns just you know looked tired, but throwing a lot of those strikes, you're gonna do that. And this was a situation that if Chimeev is gonna be one of those quote unquote elite fighters, mm-hmm. he's got to learn to mix up his stuff better. Yeah, because there was plenty of times I thought he should have gone for a body kick or you know a, a leg kick or something to mix it up, but he tried making it into almost a boxing match at points. Right, which is surprising just because. If you, according to their Wikipedia page, this should have been a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu showcase because uh, Chimeev, according to his Wikipedia page, is a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And on the flip side, Burns is a third-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Well, I think that Chimeev didn't want to test those waters. On, uh, going against a third-degree black belt? I understand it. Yeah, no, I understand completely. He even took him down. Like That was the one thing, too, that he was handling him okay on the ground, which I was kind of surprised at. But don't take anything away from Burns. He fought a great fight. In <laughs> fact, you could make the argument that this was a split one. Right. This kind of reminded me almost like in the first fight with Madsen and, and Pichel. Like, I know it's a unanimous decision, but you could argue that there was a, a couple rounds here and there. Sure, so, sure. But I thought that Chimeyev did win this outright. But I also thought if this went longer, like a five-round fight, mm-hmm. This might not have lasted in his favor. No. I really think that he would have been struggling because even at the end of the third round, Burns was pouring it on. Well, yeah. Well, and that's the thing we just don't know what you may have is, like I mentioned last week, you know, the longest fight up to this point he had in his entire professional career was like a minute and change into the second round. Mm -hmm. So, listen, he's obviously very skilled and very gifted in his craft. Look at the record. The thing we just don't know, and, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, you can train for this, but until it actually happens in real time, you don't know how you're going to be able to handle it. We don't know what it's going to be like when he gets to those championship rounds, the fourth round, the fifth round. He looked okay here, but what happens when you get into that fourth round and that fifth round? Because sparring is a whole lot different than an actual fight. I agree with you, but I thought that they laid it all in the ring I thought that there was no question about what was going on. I think that this one could have been arguably in Burns' favor, too. Like, the, the, this was one of the situations that, yeah, Chimeyev won, and I know it's a, U, a UD. I get that. But I would not have been super shocked if Burns had snuck this out. I really wouldn't have been. I thought, though, Chimeyev, though, won the first two rounds. The third one, it was all Burns, and I thought he turned it on outright. So it is interesting to see how this plays out. I know Dana was even throwing it out the window because of how good this fight was. I mean, the crowd in Jacksonville this night was on their feet. We were having a watch party here. We were all on our feet screaming about this because those two guys literally just kept going like rock'em, sock'em robots at the end. And that's what you want to see. And I think for Burns, he knew the situation. I think he was pissed off that everybody was thinking, oh, this is going to be over and around and on to the next one. And he was an afterthought. 
He really bounced back, and he really showed why he's one of the most elite guys in the welterweight division. So now the question becomes, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. So I have my theories, Pad. Do you have yours? Uh, go over yours because i got to pull up the rankings here. Okay. My theories about this kind of goes as follows. Burns is still going to be lurking around the top of that division. This loss did not hurt him in any way, shape, and or form. Right. I don't think that he could be in any kind of bad position from this because the big thing that we all have to know with this is Chemayev is now jumped into the top five. Uh, he's currently ranked number three. Number three. Okay, that makes sense. Because he was 11 before yep. this. Yep. And, and unlike the US, or unlike AEW, rankings really matter here. Allegedly. Even though Tony Khan and Jim Ross were in the audience for this show. When they got no sold. Yes, they did. Had to be all the bots. I digress. But where we see about Burns, I don't know exactly where he's going to go, but I think he'll get somebody in that four to six range. Sure, and let me just run over the, the list for you and the listeners at home who might not be familiar. Uh, so obviously, as we mentioned before, Kamaru Usman is currently the welterweight champion. Your number one ranked fighter is Colby Covington. Number two is Leon Edwards jumping up one spot. Three is Kazmat Chimaev, who we mentioned jumped up eight spots. Gilbert Burns slid back two spots into the number four position. Okay. Uh, number five is Vincente Luke, who slid back one position. And then your number six fighter is Bilal uh, Muhammad, who slid back one position. See, I thought Burns went down uh, just one. I didn't realize he slipped down to two. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah, he could get somebody in the, the five to six range, like Luke A. or Muhammad, depending on how they want to run it. I know that Leon Edwards is still the quote-unquote number two contender. Right. You got to give the man his title shot. I understand that Dana is, like, fighting that tooth and nail for whatever reason. Sure. He's earned the shot. Let's do this with him and Usman. I know timetables are going to matter for a couple different things. I know Usman was coming off some surgery, yeah. taking some time off. Yeah. So whenever they want to run that, that's going to take care of that. So the title thing is taken care of right there. Mm-hmm. But Burns can definitely go fight somebody in that lower echelon. Yeah, and, work himself back in. Yeah, and, and get back in the mix. Like, like I said, the loss does not hurt him at all. No. He looked great in this. There's one person on this list, though, that is screaming Chemayev's next opponent. Uh-huh. And that is who, Pad? Colby Covington. Yep. Holy fuck the trash talk alone. Without question. And I got to say, I did not think of this until I saw a common man, Vince Atoli, on Saturday, and he put that bug in my ear, and he brought that up, and I'm like, oh, son of a bitch, that'd be good. You know what would even be better if they want ratings on the Ultimate Fighter make them coaches? Oh, God. Like, I'm telling you, the the storyline is right there, because those two... Will be out of control. You know, Darren Till will be showing up with Shemaev. Yeah. And that and putting those two on national television together. Oh, that's asking for ratings right there. But that uh-huh. but the fight makes a lot of sense because nobody has been the perennial threat to Kamara Usman more than Colby Covington. I'm sorry. Like nobody else has. If Shemaev is supposed to be the real deal. He's got to go through Covington first. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't see how you do it any other way. He's good, but I feel like he needs at least one more test before you give him the shot against Usman. Oh, I think so too. I think if he had beaten Burns within a minute in the first round, or he even got a first round decision, then you could make the argument. Like if he finished in very dominant fashion, but he didn't. He really got tested here, and it's not to say this is a bad win because there really isn't such a thing as a bad win. No. But this is a situation that he now has been more exposed, that he needs some work, especially if you're going to now be in that top five contention and you're arguing for a title shot. So the easiest fight here to make, and I don't know what Dana's plans are. He's been kind of very tight-lipped about it. Yeah. you got to give him Covington. 
No questions asked. Like whenever you can book this, book this. I'm telling you right now, put them on the Ultimate Fighter together, and it will be ratings. Good lord, we might cover that as a weekly yeah. segment. Yeah, if you put them together. But either way, this was the fight of the night. I know uh, Burns got his uh, full fight win bonus from this. That's yep. that's how good this fight was. Oh yeah, this was the real main event because as we talk about the next two fights, though, not saying they were bad, right? But this is the one that everybody's talking about. Yeah, so the next one was for the in the bantamweight division, and this was, I guess, to unify the belts, if you want to use pro wrestling terms. Yeah. Uh, where you had interim champion Peter Yan taking on uh, actual champion Aljamain Sterling, uh, and you had Aljamain Sterling defeat Peter Yan via split decision, uh, with the scores going 48-47, 47-48, and then 48-47. Okay, so this fight, to give a little backstory if you're not familiar with, Peter Yan was bantamweight champion. Aljamain Sterling was on a very long win streak. Finally got his title shot after much delays. In this fight, the first one. Sterling won the first two rounds and then started gassing a little bit. Yep. Peter Yan let his emotions get the best of him. And as Sterling was a downed opponent, yep. Jan gave him one of the hardest knees to the face I've ever seen thrown physically. Uh, for those of you keeping track at home, this was back in UFC 259, which was on March 6th of last year. Correct. Since that point, Sterling has not fought. He won the belt during that match. And obviously, the, he's been healing up from this. Uh, it's It's been a long, drawn-out yep. storyline, <laughs> to put it more in wrestling terms. He's been gone for what reason, Ken? Reasons. So we finally got them back in the cage together. Jan won the interim title. They're going to finally unify this. And when they got in the cage, it went a little different than I thought it was going to go. Okay. Because the first round, you could argue a bit. Sterling won. You could make that argument. Did I make that argument? Not necessarily. I thought Jan did enough to win, but I could see where some judges would say that. Yeah, you could be talked into it. Yeah. The, the rounds that Sterling won outright was round two and round three because he had ground control on Jan. Could not finish him, though. I want to stress this. It was almost like a lay-and-pray type deal to a degree because everything Sterling was trying to do, he couldn't get anywhere with. Was it a point that they should have stood him up? I don't think so. But it was a situation that he just had control of him for a good three minutes of each of those rounds. Easy. So he won those outright. No question about that. However, I thought Jan looked stronger coming in that fourth round. And that fifth round, I thought, was really his defining moments. All right, so I dug up the uh, official UFC scorecard, uh, courtesy of the at UFC News Twitter account. They got a little check mark, so it's official. Uh, so the one judge, Sal Diamato, gave the first round to Aljamain Sterling. Uh, the one of the other judges, Christopher Lee, no, not that Christopher Lee, another Christopher Lee, uh, gave the first round to Peter Yan, and then uh, Alicio Rodriguez gave the first round to Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, like I say, it's that's the one that's debatable, and like I say, I could see where they gave it to him. Like sure. it, it was close, like it was very, very close. But I thought Yan did enough to get that first round, but the second and third, you know, once you have that kind of judge mentality, so to speak. That that's the lasting imprint, right? Like, oh, you know, if he lost that first one, well, he lost these other two. Well, the fight's almost done. You know, it's pretty much over, right? It's a tough thing. Like in my opinion, that's what it, it, it sure. felt like. So sure. I want to trust that. But this is a situation that I thought Jan looked strong at the end, but it came up short. And even Dana White said in the post presser, if I'm not mistaken, 
that he thought Jan won the fight. But this is something that Aljamain Sterling, listen, I'll give the devil his due. He did win this outright. He, he went in there and he fought. Do I agree with the decision? No, but I understand it. Yeah, well, and that's why we always say, don't let it get to the judges' scorecards. Like, if, if you are the fighter and you want to win decisively and not leave it up to these judges who, let's face it, they can be fickle. They can they can flip-flop and make bizarre decisions that oh, make sure. absolutely no goddamn sense. We've seen fights in the past. I can't remember the names, but watched a guy get his ass absolutely kicked to the point where we're like, yeah, the you know fighter A clearly kicked fighter B's ass. Mm. All right, and then you get Bruce Buffer in the in the octagon. All right, we go to the judges' scorecards, and they give it to the guy who got his ass kicked. And we're like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, so that's why we say, don't leave it up to the judges. Win decisively. And that's the question that had to be done here. And I think for Jan, he needed to have the finish, and he just didn't. So Sterling hung in there. I will give him his credit. He did. But now is where things get interesting. You got those rankings up? I do. Uh, so for the bantamweight division, Aljamain Sterling is still your uh, champion. Peter Yan is still listed as the number one fighter. It looks like they haven't updated the rankings for this division. Because after that, you've got TJ Dillashaw at number two, Jose Aldo at number three, Corey Sanhagen at number four, Rob Font at number five, and then uh, Rob DeVashili at number six. And then you got Dominic Cruz at number seven, Marlon Vera at eight, Pedro Munoz at number nine, and then, oh, this has got to be a typo because there's two nines here. Uh, so I'll say number 10, Song Yadong. So where it gets interesting is after this fight, a noteworthy fighter declared he was making a comeback. Oh, yeah, I did see that. And he did put in for the USADA pool. Yeah. And, Pat, who was that? I'm blanking on the name, but I did see it. Henry Cejudo. Thank you, Cejudo. So the champion, um, love him or hate him, uh, former bantamweight champion. Uh-huh. Former flyweight champion. Uh, a very polarizing figure in MMA. Uh, is now made his intentions known he would like to fight Aljamain Sterling. I am never one to leapfrog a division, but I got to be honest. I really want to see this fight. Uh, and I'm looking at his record. Uh, Henry Cejudo has a record of 18 matches, 16 wins, two losses. His only two losses coming in back-to-back bouts, uh, he lost to Demetrius Johnson back in 2016 where he got knocked out. Uh, and then to Joseph Benavidez, the very next fight, uh, that was in December of 2016. Since then, he is on a one, he was on a one, two, three, four, five, six-fight win streak, defeating the likes of Wilson Reese by TKO. Sergio Pettis by unanimous decision. Mighty Mouse Johnson by split decision. Arguably. TJ Dillashaw by TKO. Marlon Moraes by TKO. And Dominic Cruz by TKO. Uh, and if you're wondering, his last fight was on May 9th of 2020. Yeah, so this is an interesting thing to see him come back. Like, obviously, when he left, he was trying to be Triple C and, and do all that nonsense. And, like, listen, I understand about fighters having a little ego about this. I get this. But, you know, he, w- he was kind of playing up a little too much for my liking. But... Taking the physical challenge that would be for Aljamain Sterling, this is a fun fight. Yeah. I I, I got to say this. I know that they're saying, well, TJ Dillashaw would be the number one contender. Yeah, sure. I get that one too. But there's something about Cejudo coming back and taking on Sterling that I think screams a little more money to me about that. Right. Like nothing against TJ because I'm sure that he'll get a top contender in there. In fact, if he hasn't already fought Peter Jan, I think that that fight would be a great one to make. Oh, yeah. It's escaping me if they fought already or not. But it's a situation that 
I think that would be the most logical stuff to do. Oh, absolutely. Because I think Jan, like, unfortunately, he lost. He took it in, in great stride. He's, you know, going back in there. I know Sterling was like, I'll take on whoever. I think that he really wants to fight Dillashaw. That would be a good fight. The Dillashaw would be fine. It'd be, it'd be a, it'd be a fun fight. But for me, man, for my money, give me Sahoud over Sterling. Yeah. Uh, uh, for what it's worth, Dillashaw was the bantamweight champion, uh, and he did defend the belt in a fight against Cody Garbrandt at UFC 227. That was back in 2018. However, he was stripped of the title in March of 2019 after he failed a drug test. Uh, his next fight was to one Henry Cejudo. Uh, where Cejudo knocked him out uh, in 32 seconds of the first round. This was the flyweight debut uh, for one TJ Dillashaw, and then he made his return back to bantamweight in July of last year, uh, where he beat Corey Sandhagen by split decision. Yeah, so he's never fought Yan. That's a fight to do then, in my case. I would like to see Yan and Dillashaw. I couldn't remember, because I know Dillashaw has kind of fluctuated a little bit, and he's been off because he was on suspension. I'm just glancing through his uh, Dillashaw's record. He has not fought Yan. Oh, then give then that's the fights to make. I think that that one would be more box office, especially for a division that listen has some great fighters in this. But you get to a situation where it's like, okay, you really got to get some fighters to make some noise. And in this division, I mean, the only one that I know everybody's waiting to see is Sean O'Malley, but I don't think he's there yet. He reminds me a lot of Chimaev. He's somebody Sean else. O'Malley's thirteen. Frank, calm down. Right, but that's the whole thing about him. But you know, they, he's on that hype train. We talk about. Oh, I get it, but calm down. I agree. But I know a lot of people want to see him, but it's like, if I'm not mistaken, Marlon Vera beat him, and he's at number eight. Like, why isn't he higher up on the card? Yeah. That's the questions we got to ask. But if you really want to put some spotlights on this bantamweight division, those are the two fights I would make coming out of this one. Just looking at Cejudo's record, there's one name in the top five, Christ, that jumps out to me, that you book that, and you got a lot of people interested, Jose Aldo. Yeah, that would be. Cejudo and Aldo have never fought. Yeah, but, you know, like, and and you're right, Pat. I'm not going to dispute you on that. You are right about that, but I I still look at Aldo at this stage, and I don't think he's like that elite fighter anymore. Yeah, you know, just the, the tread on the tires. He's a legend in the sport, but if you're asking me, do I think he's the next guy? <sighs> I mean, you could just if if Cejudo that fight does happen, and Cejudo were to beat him, you could arguably call Cejudo the bantamweight legend killer. I mean, you could, you you could even Dominic though Dominic Cruz beat him. Oh, Reyes beat him. Dillashaw beat him. Mighty Mouse beat him. Sergio Pettis beat him. Yeah, I mean that's the wild thing about this. So I don't, I don't know where we go with that. But you know what? He's got to be in that mix too. It's kind of crazy, but like I said, bantamweights. If you want to ask the box office, though, I think that's what you do. But you know, if Aldo slid in there for that, that'd be an interesting fight as well. But then let's get to that main event. Yeah, so the main event was for the featherweight division championship with Alexander Volkanovsky defending defending his belt against the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. Uh, and uh, Alexander Volkanovsky emerged victorious, knocking out the Korean zombie in 45 seconds of the fourth round. Ah, this hurt. This hurt a lot. I think the world of the Korean zombie. I think a lot of people do. One of my favorite fighters, and like I say, him and Leonard Garcia, those fights, if if you've never seen those (laughs) insane bouts, go back and find them. This one, though, it's nothing against Volkanovski. He is just on that level right now. Oh, yeah. He's, He's the guy. He is the guy. This was a technical display right here. He really took... Zombie out at his game. He went and just put on an absolute show. I hated seeing this because you know the zombie will just keep walking forward. Oh, yeah. He won't quit. No, he won't quit at all. 
So to see him keep going forward, keep taking that damage, it was like, oh my god, man. Mm-hmm. you know. And that's it's like watching one of your heroes die. Yeah, I mean, and, and I hate saying it, but it's it's one of those situations where it's just like I was actually really happy that we had a stoppage. Sure. Because and, and I thought Herb Dean did the right thing by jumping in there. Because at this stage, it's like when a fighter is picked that much apart. Right. And they cannot physically go on and keep fighting. Right. The referee's got to take control of this. And and, right. and, and kudos. Kudos to Herb. Oh, yeah. Well, and I know Herb's caught some shit over the years for his stoppages early, late, whatever. But, like, we all, listen, we all know Korean Zombie's one of those types that short of him getting physically knocked out, you know, and dropping to the ground, not moving... He's not gonna. He's not gonna tap. Yeah, he's, you know, he's not one of those guys that like is just gonna get get his ass kicked and then verbally tell him, like, all right, hey, I'm done. No, he's just gonna keep going. Yeah. So, this is now bringing up a really interesting question. Volkanovski wins again. Yep. Nothing against him. He's put on a very very stellar legacy in this featherweight division. Where do we go from here? Because if you look at who he's fought in this division, Pad. Yeah, I'm, I'm flipping back and forth between the taps right now. This is a situation that I know what the UFC wants to do, but I don't, and I can't stress this enough, I don't want to see this fight again. Well, I mean, if just going based off of the rankings, Volkanovski is obviously champion. The number one ranked fighter is currently Max Holloway, which he's beaten twice. Uh, the number two ranked fighter is Brian Ortega, who I'm looking he beat uh, by unanimous decision back in September of last year. The number three fighter is Yair Rodriguez, who I'm looking. I does not look like he's fought him. Uh, the number four ranked fighter is Calvin Qatar, who again, look, looking through his record, he, he being Volkanovski, has not fought Volkanovski. Uh, number five is Chan Sung Jung, who obviously he just fought the last time. Six is Arnold Allen. Seven is Josh Emmett. Eight is Giga Chikadze. Nine is Bryce Mitchell. And then ten is Dan Ayi. See... There are some fighters that he can make some matches with. I know the UFC is pushing for him and Max Holloway again, and I, I'm sorry. Why? Like, it, it's the problem when you, it's it's the problem for box office because looking at that list, okay, he's beaten Ortega, and that was a dominant performance, right? Max Holloway, he's ran through twice. I'll say first one was in December of 2019. That was a unanimous decision win. Then his very next fight was in July of 2020 against Holloway again, and that was by split decision. Yeah, which. I don't even think that should have been a split. That was just him tearing him apart. You look at that division, and yeah, I mean, you could put him against the Ayer Rodriguez, sure. And Calvin Qatar would be a good one, too. Arnold Allen, I know they're high on. They're very, very high on. But too soon. But I, I, I agree with you. I think it's too soon. In fact, I think that that could be somebody that maybe the Korean Zombie should face if he wants to keep going. Sure. At, but at this stage... I gotta admit, like it's it's one of those situations where I don't want to see him fight again. Yeah. At least, like not in a situation where he's looking like the skills have passed him by. I mean, he's right. I mean, he just turned thirty five years old. His birthday was on March seventeenth. So happy belated birthday! Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for his professional record, he does now have twenty four fights under his belt. Yeah. So like, it's a tough thing because when you look at the body of work, and you're probably saying, "Oh, thirty five. That's nothing." He's got tread on those tires. He's also got however many years of military service he did, which uh-huh. is added on that we just can't factor in. Yeah. Well, we, we we factor it into the tread on the tires. We can't measure how it factors in. Right, but that's the big X factor. So with him, it's a situation where it's he's. I don't think he's going to get near another title at this stage. No, barring some sort of like mystical run. Right. So Allen would be a good fight against him. 
I would say if they really wanted to do one, and I and I'm just thinking, Korean Zombie still a name. Put him against uh, Bryce Mitchell. Sure. That one I think would make a lot of sense sure. to do because they're very high on him. Mitchell came back, looked great. So why not make that fight? But then when you talk about Volkanovski, okay, you could do Rodriguez. You could do Qatar. He did make a comment, though, yeah. that's now been circulating a little bit. And he is thinking about going up to 155. I think this is a brilliant move. Okay. Now, I'm not a big fan of if you're a champion going up and doing double duty. I mean, unless you're like Amanda Nunez. Right. But I think that for him, I'm looking at this, and I think this would be a very, very interesting mix to see him in that top 10 of the 155 class because he is a very big guy at 145. He'd probably be as equally sized as most of the 155ers. But this is the question now of he's been so dominant at 145 how much is left to keep him interested? Not much. I'm just flipping back and forth between you know his record and then the rankings. He's beaten most of the guys in the top five. Right. So now you sit there and go, what do we do? I think if you throw him in that mix, that'd be good. Or unless you can talk somebody in from 155 to go down. That's a little tough, but you also have to look, okay, at the 155 rankings, and if there's somebody there that's not necessarily in that title contention. Ferguson, maybe? I mean, Ferguson could. I mean, it's a tough cut, though. I could see it happening. I think, you know, if if you could talk into somebody in that, in that lesser, like Dan Hooker, if he could make that. I yeah. know he's on the, he's on more of the back end of it. Yeah. I think that, that might be an interesting fight at 145. Yeah. Or even if I know Dustin Poirier has danced around at 145 a little bit. I know at this stage in the game, I'm not sure if he wants to cut additional weight, but he's somebody else that, that could be in that mix. And plus, I mean, if they really want to do something wild, depending on what happens in May, if Charles Oliveira wins, mm-hmm. Charles Oliveira used to fight at 145. Yeah. If you want to do a catch weight just to say you did, right. albeit though you would log jam the division, and I don't like that, that's a fight you make. But I could also see if you want to try testing even like a Michael Chandler. Like, even if, if like I say, but it's the extra pounds cutting. So, like I say, this is kind of like dream booking. Right. So. Looking at the 155s, like he could fight against somebody like that because I could see him coming up and, and fighting somebody at 155. And I think Chandler and him at 155 would be fireworks. I think that could definitely happen. Depends on what goes on with, uh, you know, obviously, Oliver and Justin Gaethje are thrown down in May. That's going to be a big domino effect about who gets matchmaked with who. So if Volkanovski really wants to make that jump, I'm not disputing it. Right. I think at this stage it might be the smart idea. Because, honestly, I don't care about seeing him and Max Holloway again. No. I'm already going to tell you, it's going to be a boring fight. I hate saying this because I love Max Holloway. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be a boring fight because Volkanovski is just on that different level right now. And that's where I'm I'm looking at the ranking right now, and I'm not seeing anybody that's really on that level with him. I'm sorry. He's beaten the one guy I thought that was, and that's Brian Ortega. Easily. Where do we go from here? It's the big question we got to ask. So that's what we're going to pose to you, ODPH Society. Who do you think is going to be the next one to take on Alexander Volkanovsky? I am very curious about this. But overall, though, Pad, final thoughts on UFC? Good card. It leaves a lot of questions as to where things are going, and it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I agree with it. UFC 273 left a lot of questions. And like I say, the biggest one that I have to ask is about Volkanovsky. Because this is such a dominant performance, 
I'm not comparing to Anderson Silva in his prime, but it's one of those situations where you're looking at that rest of the division. Who is going to be the next contender? And I honestly don't have an answer. That's why I'm throwing the question to you. Who is going to be the next contender for Volkanovski? What do you think about the Aljamain sterling Peterian decision? And Chemayev, is he ready for Covington? All that and so much more. Let's talk about ODPH Society. Hit us up on those hashtags. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk some basketball. Yeah. So, is finally at the end of the regular season. We haven't talked a lot about the NBA this year because, let's face it, we're Knicks fans and we're well, quite bitter. Are. Yeah, Pat is impartial because he doesn't really follow basketball. Is that true or true? This is very true. Yeah, he is not. But he will definitely talk about it if you ask him on Twitter. So, definitely hit him up at Meslin. And we can get into that argument because, obviously, the Knicks are not doing well. It's a very, very messy offseason. If you caught any of the headlines today from Stephen A. Smith talking about the season, you kind of sum up our opinions of that as well. <laughs> not wrong. If you're a Lakers fan, you're kind of in the same picture, too, because this has been a very disappointing season as well. So, without the star power of LeBron carrying in the playoffs and the garden energy, this is a very interesting playoff season as it is now the induction of the play-in tournament yep. for the non-COVID bubble era, yep. if I can word that right. We are going to try breaking this down best we can. This is fucking confusing and stupid. It is. So bear with us. We're getting all our information from NBA.com because it is confusing how it's set up. So hear us out. You have your traditional eight seeds for each Western and Eastern Conference. Yep. However, they're doing a play-in for four teams of each conference. Because they suck, and we want to give them another opportunity to suck even more. Yeah, and I and I really struggle with this because I'm not a fan of like participation trophies, and yet this feels like this is for the NBA. Yeah. I understand when they did it in COVID and I'm and I in the bubble, and I get that. Oh, I, yeah, I, I did I had, too. I have zero issue oh, with it. Oh, I did too. But to carry it over now that things are at least closer to normalcy. Yeah. I don't agree with doing this tournament, no. and I think that it's very, very foolish, but yet here we are. So playing tonight as we are recording, and Pad will verify my my yep. schedule about this, because like I said, it's very confusing in how they did the, the press for this. Yep. You have the number seven seed in the East, the Brooklyn Nets, uh-huh. and all their drama, taking on the surprise of the NBA that not everybody was talking about, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, yeah, that is taking place at 7 o'clock Eastern on TNT. Correct. So the winner of this becomes the seventh seed in the East. Yep. 
The loser, though, gets another shot at redemption hey. because they will face the winner of the 9-10 game between the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Bobcats. Charlotte or Hornets. Hornets. Charlotte Hornets. That game takes place on Wednesday, uh, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. So they take on the winner of that game. Loser is done in packing their backs. Yes. It is really... I know who you're, you're rooting for. In that oh, my game. God. Give me Charlotte all day. Give me Cleveland Charlotte. That's my who I'm hoping wins. Unfortunately, I think it will be the other two, though. Mm-hmm. I think Atlanta will pull something off, and they'll sneak in there, and they'll face Cleveland, and they'll get the win. Even though if that's the scenario that gets set up, you have in the one seed, Miami, who has played phenomenally. Jimmy Butler is leading that team. Yeah, They're clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah, So it would be arguably Atlanta and Miami in that first round. Give me Miami all day. Any dispute about that, Pat? No, not at all. Miami's, like you said, clicking on all cylinders. They're playing real good. Yes. The 4-5 and five is all set, and that is Philadelphia and Toronto, which is going to be a scrappy series, if I can use that terminology. Oh, yeah. I do like Philly in that. Uh, it could get interesting because Philly, for a portion of this game, will be without one of their uh, players, uh, Matisse uh, Thibouli, I think is how you say mm-hmm. the last name, T-H-Y-B-U-L-L-E. Uh, and the reason we bring this up is, as you might have heard, but in case you hadn't heard, uh, to get into the country of Canada, you need to be fully vaccinated. Two shots, or one if you got Johnson & Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then presu- I would presume that includes booster shots as well. Uh, the gentleman I just mentioned, uh, Thibouli, only has one shot. And it's not Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, he's, so. o- he's only partially vaccinated. So uh, unless something changes between now and the start of this uh, fr- series, he ain't playing in Toronto. Yeah, so that'll be a very... That, that's a big loss. That's a big loss. And that's going to be a real challenge for Philadelphia to do. I think they can overcome it. But it, like I said, it's going to be a scrappy series. I don't doubt Toronto giving them some problems. Like I think they're going to push it to the limit of the series. Yeah. I do see Philadelphia winning outright. And then I think that you're going to upset Philly and get to that finals to go for the Eastern Conference. Okay. I really do. On the other half of that division, you have Milwaukee and Chicago. Yeah. Milwaukee's the three looking to repeat. They're clicking now at the right time. Oh, yeah. Chicago has been bit by the injury bug a little bit. I do think Milwaukee will make short work of Chicago. It's nothing against them, but I think injuries are just playing too much of a factor. Yeah, yeah. And then Boston is the number two seed, and they would arguably be facing Brooklyn. God, this pains me to say it, but let's go Boston because <laughs> my anger towards Brooklyn is that big. And I think Boston has a legit shot. The one thing you're going to say, okay, I'm going to take my hatred out of Bro- uh, this yeah, equation. Yeah. Brooklyn is a team that is very streaky. Yeah. And I think that yeah. – when you saw them lose that epic losing streak they had this season, oh, Jesus. I think they got exposed a bit. Ben Simmons, <laughs> enough said. To be determined. Yeah, so, I mean, who knows what, what's going to happen. With ben that. Simmons, see the cliff from first take yesterday with Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, enough said. Like, I, I don't even want to get into it about him. And if you're not fully all in as a team to go in the playoffs, you might be able to win a game and sneak in. Winning a series against a Boston team that is yeah. a that is an actual team. Yeah, that they've been playing all year together. Exactly, like they might not get a lot of the headlines, they might not get a lot of the press, but they are a team that can show up and play. They're the two seed for a reason. Yes, and I would love to see them smoke Brooklyn. I really would. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Brooklyn will get one game out of it, but I think Boston will ultimately win. Oh, I think they'll they'll push it. They'll they'll push it again, which it's gonna drive me nuts, but. I could see Brooklyn getting there because I think the box office would be just just how it, it rolls out. Like I want to see right. Boston get there because I think Boston Milwaukee would be an interesting series. That would be good. 
But I think it's going to be Brooklyn because I think this would be like you know like we talk about with Duke in the N- in the NCAA tournament. Oh yeah, it'd yeah. be the Hollywood thing to come back from all the drama this year and to make a run to the finals. So I will say this: I'm I'm rooting for Boston in this one. God, this really hurts saying. You're, you're getting a rash just like Oh God, yeah, something feels wrong about this. But I am saying that Brooklyn will sneak in there and. They will get the win, and it sets up for Milwaukee, Brooklyn. That'll be, that'll be another long series too. And then I don't know if Brooklyn will will get that far. I think Milwaukee, like I say, they're hot at the right time. Right. So if you're hot at the right time, that does carry through. So I do think the finals for the East is going to be Milwaukee. I'm going to say they're going to be Brooklyn, and I'll be celebrating very heavily at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Brooklyn's getting very far with this. I mean, let's face it. You and I have played more basketball combined than this team has as a unit yeah and they don't play as a unit like that's the one thing about this i in my opinion i don't feel that this team is a team i think you have some individuals that show up it's like it's like an nba 2k game where like you you go into the settings and like you're able to make any trade you want without any repercussions or the or the computer telling you no yeah they're like you just do it for fun fun shits and giggles i remember the one year my brother was playing an mlb mlb the show game and he basically put he basically took like the best players from both All Star teams and put them on the Yankees. Mm. And I'm like, and I I remember he had Ivan Rodriguez in left field. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, I'm just having some fun. All right. Yeah. So I think you're gonna see a lot of like that happen here. And like I said, I think Milwaukee and Philly is gonna be your finals. And I'm gonna say Philly. I, I stuck to my guns about this. I'm gonna say Philly's gonna get to that NBA Finals. I think this is finally the year they're going to do it. Put up or shut up time. It, this is because they don't do it now. They're never going to do it with the current team they have. Joel Embiid will not win in Philadelphia if they don't do it this season. Mark the tape right now. I'm going to go out on a limb. That will be my leap prediction. So that is being all from the East. Yeah. Any disputes, any questions, who you got? No, I agree with you pretty much on the whole thing of there. Okay. So let's flip it to the West. Yeah. So now we have to break down the seventh and eighth seeds again here. Yeah. So the seventh and eighth seeds in the West is Minnesota and the LA Clippers. Yep. And that game is taking place tonight as we record uh, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on TNT. But again, it's on after the first game, so it could be a little later. Yeah. So just bear with it in the time. So the winner of that goes on to face Memphis, the second seed. The loser gets redemption, and they take on the winner of New Orleans and San Antonio. Who are playing on Wednesday uh, at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, but again, time, it's on the same channel as the first game, uh, and the channel is ESPN. Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb right now. I'm going to say the Clippers are going to win the playing game. Okay. So I think they'll face Memphis. I think Memphis is going to destroy them in that first round. And then Minnesota, I think, is going to sneak in, and they're going to beat the – it doesn't matter for New Orleans and, and San Antonio. I'm sorry, the, the, they're not the teams old. Minnesota is playing very well, but I just think that LA is going to sneak in. There, like something weird will happen. Like there's got to be an upset somewhere here. Current line is Minnesota by three. Yes, yeah, like I say, that being that close, especially LA's home. Uh, no, or no, 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 Minnesota's home. Minnesota's home. All right. So th- that being said, yeah, that that does make sense because usually home team gets a three point favorite to start out of the gate. Yeah, I'm going to say Minnesota will get there, but I think they're going to face Phoenix in the first round because Phoenix is the overall number one seed. And I think Phoenix is going to be too much for whoever comes out. Like, it doesn't matter all those four teams. I think Phoenix and Memphis are going to win outright. I'm not saying a sweep of the series, sure. but it's going to be pretty close. Sure. I And I understand, obviously, Phoenix is, is going in without their leader, Chris Paul. Yeah. 
but still, they're going to be okay. I think uh, the uh, Timberwolves are going to win the game tonight, and so that means they'll go on to play the uh, Grizzlies, and that'll that'll be a great matchup between those two teams. Uh, so then uh, the Clippers will go on to play whoever wins between the Pelicans and then the Spurs. And listen, it don't matter who shows up. It don't matter if you've got you know former players for both teams showing up. The Clippers are going to blow the fuck out of the, whoever from those two, the Spurs or the or the Pelicans that show up. Like, the Clippers are just so much better than them. So then that'll set up the Clippers and Suns in the first round, which I think that'd, that'd be a really good matchup if everybody's healthy. Well, that's the whole thing now with Chris Paul finally back in the roster. They are going to have a different dynamic to him. I mean, that's the thing. But how much of his thumb is actually 100%? Yeah. Like, I know he's been playing well, and I get that, and I'm not disputing that. But to go in the playoffs, it still is a grind. It's a whole different ball game. Anything can happen. So if he is not really feeling 100%, and we don't know, I mean, sure, obviously going these last half of the season, he's back at least. So that said, it's anybody's ball game. I think Phoenix is good enough, though. That it doesn't matter who's coming out of that playoff, uh, the play-in tournament. They're going to win that one outright. Mm-hmm. Then you fast forward to the rest of the conference. Dallas is taking on Utah. Yeah. Uh, this one, obviously, Przingis, he still has his uh, awful, awful aura around the Mavericks. So I got root for Utah on this one. Yeah. Uh, Pat, you got any feelings about this one? Uh, Utah. Okay, we'll go with that. And then Golden State making that last run, taking on Jokic and everybody else in Denver. So this one, obviously, we've talked about this a few times before. Golden State is on that last run. Theoretically. So how much do they got left in the tank? I think they got enough to make a run. I really do. I think that they've been playing the best basketball outside of Phoenix pre-Chris Paul's injury for his thumb. Yeah. So now is the question is, can they make one last run with this core group? Because I know you've talked about it too. Draymond's already talking to TNT. Yeah, he's he's. It came out like midway through the season. I I remember hearing that like he once his playing career is done, he's already got a gig lined up with TNT and and Turner Sports. Yeah, so he's already thinking outside of the NBA. I think that they're already planning on doing a little bit of transition now that they have everybody back together. Or is he thinking inside the NBA? Aha! Ooh, let's see what you did there. Well played. Either way, I think they take care of Denver with these. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very quick series with that. Then the fun series begins because I think Golden State and Memphis is going to be a hell of a series. Whoever wins this series, if it ends up being these two, uh, they will be the team from the Western Conference to reach the finals. I could see that. I genuinely could see that. I think the only threat they really have out of the upper bracket is Phoenix, and you never know what could happen in there. Phoenix is young. Phoenix is ready to go. Chris Paul is at least the guiding voice that they need on that team, and I never thought we, he'd be this much of a factor for that squad, but yet right. here we are. Right, and that's and that's assuming he stays healthy all the way through. I'm not wishing an injury on the man, but, like, things happen. There could be an errant ball that he goes reaching for to try and save it from going out of bounds. It bends that thumb back, and all of a sudden we're right back at square one. Exactly, because if he goes down at any point in the season or series, it's going to be rough for Phoenix. It is. But that being said, though, I'm with you. I'm taking the winner of the Memphis and Golden State series to win this whole thing in the West. And I will make the bold prediction. Okay. It's going to be Golden State. Okay. I know that Memphis will scrap with them, and this is a whole different Memphis team that we've seen in previous incarnations. But there is something about the old veterans making one last run, and that's what you have here. Clay Thompson is back. He's playing lights-out basketball. He's what Curry needs to get going, and then the rest of the team just kind of falls after that lead. Right. I think that they're going to give a good, long series to Memphis. We're talking like a game seven. Yeah, easily, easily. And, and then 
you get Golden State and Phoenix in probably the best pure shooting series of the entire tournament. Uh-huh. There's no way you can say those playoffs that won't be highlights every single night of just 100 versus 100 every single – like defense is going to go out the window for that one. Yep. But I'm okay with that. Like I'm perfectly fine with that. But that being said, so who you got for your finals here, Pat? I'm going to say uh, Miami and Golden State and defense will be even less optional than it was before. Uh, that And scoring is going to go through the roof, and it's going to be awesome. I am going to say this. I think it's going to be Golden State and Philly. i got to go with the guns here. If Joel Embiid is ever going to win in Philly, this is the year to do it. If they don't win this year, he's not going to win as a Sixer. I hate saying this to our Philly listeners, but listen, I'm going to be very honest with you. Now is the time to grab the brass ring, so to speak, and now is the time to run away with this thing. I think they could handle Golden State. I think they could be decent against Phoenix. I think that they would have a really fun series against Memphis. But I'm going to say Golden State is going to push them. We're going to see what they have left in the tank. But I think James Harden could get in there and definitely have a little revenge factor against Golden State. And now he's got actually a real force underneath that will give them some problems in Embiid. So as long as everybody stays healthy and is ready to rock and roll, I'm going to say it'll be Philly and seven. Okay. They're going to stretch this out. This will be a fun series to watch, though. NBA. What a tournament. What an absolute puzzle to figure out, to say the least. We gave you our picks. Now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Here's up on those hashtags. Hashtag ODPH Pod. Who you got in the play-ins? Who you got winning the chip? Let's talk, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC Universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk a little bit of wrestling. Yeah. So, Pad has been watching a little Monday Night Raw. He wants to catch us up because, obviously, you know I'm recording 607 TWS yes. with Rich from 3FN every Monday night, 8 p.m. On, e- on Twitch, kicking it. And numbers are going through the roof, so thank you for checking that out. So, we miss a little bit of the Raw recap, so Pad's got me on this. So, Pad, what's going on in the show? Uh, well, we're setting up for the uh, next pay-per-view, which is taking place on uh, May the 8th uh, from Providence, Rhode Island at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. That is uh, Raw WrestleMania Backlash. Ah. Yep. So we're setting up for that. Uh, not too much announced yet. Uh, this past Friday on SmackDown, you did have Ronda Rousey, uh, basically because of the shenanigans and brouhaha that happened at WrestleMania, uh, say, hey, I want another match, and I want it with Charlotte Flair for the belt, to which Charlotte Flair told her, get to the back of the line, bitch. Oh, jeez. Uh-huh. But uh, the matchup was made because Ronda proposed it, and it was made official. You will be having uh, Charlotte Flair taking on Ronda Rousey for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship in an I Quit match. 
All right, now that could be interesting. Yeah. I could see one of two things happening. I wouldn't doubt seeing Ronda win uh-huh. because it's not Mania, Charlotte got her Mania moment, blah, blah, blah. Yep. I could also see Charlotte winning yeah. by shenanigans. It's not going to be an outright make Ronda say I quit. Yeah, yeah. Like something. There's going to be shenanigans with us. Like whether Shayna Baszler helps her out yeah. and they set up something there yeah. or. If they made it an I quit match, it's going to be some kind of wacky shenanigans. Like it's yeah. it's not going to end in a no contest. So like you're going to have a clear cut winner. I just think Charlotte's going to win by some heelish ways. Yeah, because they usually don't hit the reset on a new champion at Backlash if they weren't going to do it at Mania. Yeah. Uh, the other one matchup you've got set up was kind of teased last week, but made official this week. Uh, Cody Rhodes is taking on Seth freaking rounds in a rematch because uh, Seth came out on Monday Night Raw and said, "Hey, listen." I wasn't ready for my matchup with you. I didn't know I was going to be facing you. You didn't get the best version of me. I want to face you again. To which Cody, he goes, I'm challenging you for a rematch at WrestleMania Backlash. To which Cody accepted. So the other matchup we've got announced is uh, Cody Rhodes taking on Seth freaking Rollins. I'm all right with that. Uh-huh. Fight forever. Yeah, that could be a fight forever without a doubt. I mean, they put on an absolute classic at Mania. Yeah. Obviously buying a little time till Money in the Bank. Till uh-huh. We assume the Rhodes Lander is going to finally get that shot again in the briefcase. God, in the pyro. They're not going full-blown with the pyro each week, but i got to show you the clip of how he came out in pyro this week. Holy shit, it's real good. Did he come through the stage? Uh, it looked kind of hard to tell because there was a doorway pyro went off and all of a sudden he was standing right there. Gotcha. Okay. looks real cool. Uh, but then some of the other stuff we got going on with Monday night raw in uh, what, what I didn't think I would care all that much about Elias air quotes came back, but it's not Elias. Yeah. Like what the hell is up with this? So Elias has been gone for TV for a hot minute. I don't know how long it's been a while and everyone figured he'd be getting repackaged, coming back time off, whatever. So we get to the Monday Night Raw after Mania, and a gentleman came out, and the Titantron read Ezekiel. And I went, who the fuck is Ezekiel? I thought maybe, I'm like, oh, maybe somebody got called up from NXT, and they gave him a rename, a la Pete Dunne, now being uh, Butch. Butch, you know, or Raquel Gonzalez, now being Raquel. You know, I was like, maybe it's something. But then I saw the guy come out, and I'm like, they give an enhancement talent, like at his own entrance? I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? No, come to find out, it's Ezekiel. He's Elias's brother. Elias is gone. They're not saying what happened, whether he's, quote-unquote, dead or gone. They're just saying Elias is gone. There were some weird vignettes about him before he yeah. disappeared from TV, so yeah. I, I don't know. So Elias is, quote-unquote, gone, and Ezekiel, Elias's brother, is taking place, taking his place. Kevin Owens is not buying it, however. Kevin Owens is like, no, you're, mm. not, you're not Ezekiel. You're you're Elias just without the beard and without the guitar. How can you, and and nobody is seeing it. None, none of the announcers, you know, none of the backstage interviewers. Tommaso Ciampa got called up to Raw. He's on. He he's the newest member of Monday Night Raw. You know, and he Ezekiel came and introduced himself. Hi, my name. I'm Ezekiel. I just want to welcome you to Monday Night Raw. And Kevin Owens came out going, No, 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 don't buy this. He's not Ezekiel. He's Elias. And uh, Ezekiel went. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I'm I'm Ezekiel. I'm Elias's brother, and he walked away, and he looked at Champ and went, "No, listen, don't buy into this. He's really Elias." And Tommaso Champa looked at him and goes, no, "I don't know what you're talking about. That's Ezekiel." So Kevin Owens is appearing to be losing his sanity because there was an article because 
Ezekiel posted to his Instagram page a photo of he and Elias together. Clearly not photoshopped in any yeah, way, shape, not or even. Not in any way, shape, or form. You, you've even got Madcap. Yeah, you're showing me right now. Yeah, yeah. You've got Madcap Moss and uh, the uh, the formerly known as Cesaro uh, commenting on the the photo that they were both there. They can both verify its authenticity. Uh, Kevin Owens shared an article that was written about it, and he said, "Help me at Sami Zayn." So, oh, conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory, here we go. Where this is leading, I have no goddamn idea, but I'm here for it because it's hilarious. You know, this is something very interesting because obviously if they're getting Kevin Owens involved with the return of quote-unquote Ezekiel, uh-huh. that's a big move for uh-huh. the artist connected to Elias. Uh-huh. So good for him. I mean, that, that proves they really want to push him as a baby face, which yeah. that could be interesting because I remember the last time when he was when he was doing the Elias gimmick and doing the yeah. guitar with it. Yeah, didn't get over well. Like he's better as a heel there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, Case in point, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this one, uh, we kind of have to wait and see how it plays out. But that's interesting though. With Kevin Owens yeah. being involved with this, uh, the other one they're setting up, they teased on uh, Friday Night SmackDown, but you had Roman Reigns come out and basically go. Hey, you know, bloodline's not done. I've done all pretty much I can, but I'm looking at, you know, I saw the all these great, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, I saw these all these great photos of my two belts at WrestleMania because I went there and I stomped Cowboy Brock. But then I look at my cousins, and they've only got two belts, and they're two people. You know, why not unify the, the tag team championships? So he ordered the Usos to go to Monday Night Raw and get those tag team championships from RK bro. Mm-hmm. And you had the Uso show up on Monday night raw and utter the issue. The challenge was never given or confirmed or anything, but there's, they're setting up for a title unification in the tag team championships, uh, between the Usos and then RK bro, because they are the current tag team, uh, belt holders. Makes sense. Obviously WWE is not as, uh, how do I wear this in love with tag team wrestling these days as yeah. much as like AEW or yeah. impact is. Well, also their division isn't that great. Well, that's the thing. You, like, there's there's good teams, but there's not enough good teams to put between the two brands. Yeah, that's the problem. So, this is a great segue oh, yeah. to build that division back up. Sure. And, obviously, if you have a strong team at the top like the Usos or, you know, even you buy RK Bro. Not not super fan of those two together. Street Profits. Street Profits is another great one you can put up there. I mean, you do have the inklings to really make a great unified division. Yeah. But I think for what you're yeah. trying to do between both both brands, it doesn't work. So this one, obviously, I think the Usos are going to get this one outright. So oh, I think I, so, too. I'm, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. I'm absolutely here for that. Uh, so that's all that's been going on there. But the news that was uh, announced today, and it's massive news if you're one of our UK listeners, uh, for the first time in 30 years, WWE is going to be having a pay-per-view in the United Kingdom. Ooh. Yeah, so reading from an article on SportsIllustrated.com, uh, it says, quote, WWE announced on Tuesday that it will be holding a pay-per-view at Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales, on Saturday, September 3rd, 2022. It will be the WWE's first stadium show in the UK since SummerSlam 1992 took place at Wembley Stadium in London. Uh, The name of September's event in Cardiff has yet to be revealed. WWE stated that ticket on-sale information and further event updates will be made available soon. Uh, so this is super big news because, like like uh, the article says, WWE has not had a stadium show in the UK in like 30-some-odd years. Yeah, I want to say SummerSlam? Yeah, no, SummerSlam 92. Yeah, yeah I, was trying, you know, I was trying to remember that, yeah. I remember watching that show live, too. Yeah. Not not at there, but I remember Huge seeing it. Huge if you're a yeah. uh, UK lesser. Yeah. Wow. That is crazy. But good for them. Yeah. The UK audience is amazing when they go to the live shows. Oh, my God, yeah. So they'll be – that. you want to talk about a hot crowd that night? That crowd's going to be smoking. 
very, very interested about that. Oh, yeah. And I guess to flip it over the coin of AEW, because, you know, I like to talk about it. Obviously, uh, I do a lot of talking about it on Blog's account anywhere. So if you're following the blog, thank you very much for that. But there wasn't a couple of announcements that came out a little after the show. Uh-huh. Or after the blog, I should say. So we did talk a little bit about Samojo is going to be taking on Minoru Suzuki for the Ring of Honor television title. Should be good. Should be a great match. Uh, I think, though, unfortunately for Suzuki, he's going to be giving the belt to Joe. Yeah. And then we still have to wait and see what the incarnation of Ring of Honor is going to be with him with the belt. So that's going to be interesting. But the match that caught my eye that is just breaking now as we're recording, Uh apparently one CM Punk does have an opponent. Oh. And that is one Penta. Ooh. So this That's not could, bad. This, yeah, I know. That was definitely not a bad choice for him to be on there because I don't know. I'm trying to check as we're talking right now for the Owen Hart tournament. I know they've right. been doing some matches for that right. as well and, and kind of playing around with that. So I don't necessarily know if that's going to be involved with that. As it stands right now, no, it was just announced. Okay. So this is coming right from the man, the myth, the legend himself, Tony Khan. <laughs> so this should be a fun match for Dynamite. I, and I know they're like really trying to ramp this show up, which is good because obviously we've talked about this at length. Dynamite, in my opinion, and I know in Rich's opinion as well, is very hit or miss. Like they'll have a couple moments that you love and then a couple moments that you're like, what am I watching? But I think given Punk, Penta, that's going to be an interesting yeah. matchup. I think that we could see, obviously... Punk is going to win, but if he's going to be put on this magical win streak to go into this Owen Hart tournament, because I, I fully believe it's going to be him and Samoa Joe at the end of this. I think that that's what they're going to lead to for double or nothing. It's an interesting route to take, because now we could see Punk have that renaissance, and if he's been putting on good matches against the top of the AEW card, that's going to be one right. thing. I know he's been kind of hanging around doing the lower tier right now. Yeah. So this will be a really step up in competition. So I'm excited to see this match and really see how this plays out. I like Penta as a singles wrestler more than I do as a tag wrestler. Right. Unless they get him and Phoenix back together. just It's, it's kind of weird with AEW. But this match, though, I'm going to say this. Between those two matches, Dynamite actually has me very intrigued for this week. Oh, yeah. I got to say this. I usually kind of go in like, let's see what's going to happen. Because obviously coming off a hot Rampage as they did have, and yes, this was not a misspeak. Rampage was actually a decent show this week. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Exactly. Dynamite can do a lot of damage if they get some, you know, really quality matches and really as a selling point to fans to jump on board. Because that's one thing that, as we talked about on 607 TWS, they really need right now. Right. I think that these two matches could be it, depending on how the fan base reacts to it. Sure. So definitely have to tune in on Wednesday night and see what's going on there. But ODPH Society, we gave you a little bit of tease of wrestling going on because Pat is talking WWE. I'm talking AEW. We talk a lot of wrestling on 607 Podcasts. I swear, I'm not a bot. He is not a bot. He promises you. Coach Duffy might be. That's why he might not be here. We might be retooling him a little bit to do a hashtag more hashtags. But we talk on it on the blog section of ODPHpodcast.com. We talk about it on 607TWS each and every Monday night on Twitch and in podcast form. And we talk about it here on the ODPH. So we want to hear from you. What is your takes going on with Monday Night Raw? Are you loving the direction Pat's talking about or are you hating it? And about Dynamite this week, let's talk about it. Are you excited about Samojo versus Minaro Suzuki? Suzuki, who also had a badass weekend this week for GCW. Oh, and I want to know, are you Team Elias or Team uh, Ezekiel? Yeah, Pat's going to run that poll. We're going to definitely retweet that tonight. Hit us up, let us know. Let's talk some wrestling. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Gotta talk a little local minute uh, because the Bing with the Black Bear season is wrapping up here very soon, although they are in the playoffs. Where they are in the playoffs, I couldn't tell you. The I went to the uh, website. That's weird, man. I, I went to the website for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, and there's a section there for playoffs and scheduling. There's only one team listed, so stay tuned. We'll, we'll keep you informed on where they're playing. Uh, but for the games they have played, uh, looking at their games this past week, they uh, lost their game on Friday to the Danbury Hattricks by the final score of 5-3. to three. Uh, they came back Saturday and beat the same team uh, by the final score of 5-3. to three. Uh, And then they lost their rubber matchup on Sunday by the final score of 7-3. to three. Uh, They've got two games to, uh, to close out to the, the remainder of the regular season. Both games are at home against the Carolina Thunderbirds. Uh, first game is Friday, February, or excuse me, February, Friday, April 15th at 7 o'clock Eastern. Uh, and then the other game is Saturday, April 16th at 6 o'clock Eastern. Uh, more information and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And like I said, when and if uh, they put out the seedings and stuff for uh, playoffs, we'll keep you informed on that. And then also, baseball season has started for, hey. for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Binghamton Rumble Ponies had a three-game series uh, over the weekend against the Hartford Yard Goats, I believe is who the third nickname is. I believe so. Uh, they uh, won one game and lost two, so they are uh, starting the season uh, not the greatest. They're right in the middle of the pack of the Eastern League, uh, the Northeastern Division. Uh, at one and two, they've got uh, Somerset, which is the Yankees affiliate, New Hampshire, the Toronto affiliate, and then Hartford, the Colorado affiliate ahead of them. But they're all tie- three-way tie for first place at two and one. So Binghamton's technically second place, you mm-hmm. know, just by figuring it out. Uh, they are do have their home opener tonight as we record. Uh, they're playing a one, two, three, four, five, six-game series against Bowie. Uh, game, uh, as we record, has started at 6.35. Uh, their next game is uh, Wednesday. It's also at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they got a th- game on Thursday, also 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Friday, same thing, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that is Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, so presumably they'll be doing much like the Major League Baseball uh, teams and doing 42 on the back of their jerseys. Uh, Saturday is uh, also uh, is at 1.05 p.m. Eastern. That's the If you buy the ticket package, you can see the baseball game in the uh, afternoon. Go to the hockey game at night. Right. Uh, the baseball game it is Mascot Mania Day, so there will be a ton of mascots at the stadium. Uh, and then Sunday, uh, Sunday the seventeenth, also against Bowie, is one o five p.m. Eastern. That is Rowdy's Egg Extravaganza Day because Sunday is, of course, Easter. Hmm. Uh, so for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, you know, Bing BingRP dot com. Uh, and then got to mention some re- regular baseball season stuff has started. Uh, pretty decent start for the Yankees, I'd say. I would say so too. Took two out of three from the Boston Red Sox. Lost that rubber matchup, but hey, can't win them all. Uh, got to give a shout out to Giancarlo Stanton and Anthony Rizzo though, uh, because they became the first Yankees teammates to hit two hit home runs in the first two games of the season, all time. Oh, no other pair of Yankees teammates has ever done that, and they are the ninth pair of teammates in Major League Baseball history since 1901 to accomplish this feat. So you think of some of the names that have come through the halls of Yankee in the fields of Yankee Stadium. As teammates, mm-hmm. the Roofs and the Gehrigs and the Mantles and the Dimaggios, you know, and the, and the Barras and the Jeters and the Jacksons and the Mattingleys, you know, none of them have ever done it. That's such a wild stat. It's absolutely fucking bonkers. 
Uh, you got the rest of baseball going on. It's kind of early to too early to tell, you know, what's going on. You got Deuce have some crazy stats for you though, because baseball is weird when it comes to stats. Uh, you had a gentleman by the name of Spencer Torkelson of the Detroit Tigers uh, get his first hit off of Rich Hill uh, of the Boston Red Sox. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because uh, Spencer Torkelson was born in 1999. Rich Hill was drafted in 1999. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that's it, so bizarre. Uh, and then also of note, the San Francisco Giants have now started their 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15th different starting left fielder on opening day. Uh, since, Bar- <laughs> since Barry Bonds retired in 2007, they have had a different individual starting at left field on opening day every year. Dave, That's wild. Dave Roberts in 2008, Fred Lewis in 2009, Mark DeRosa in 2010, Pat Burrell in 2011, Aubrey Huff in 2012, Andres Torres in 2013, uh, Mike Morse in 2014, Nori Aoki in 2015, Angel Pagan in 2016, 2017 was uh, Jarrett Parker, 2018 was Hunter Pence, Connor Joe was in 2019, 2020 was Alex Dickerson, Austin Slater was uh, in 2021, and this year was tw- uh, Jock Peterson. Damn. That's a lot of turnover. That is crazy. It's a lot of turnover. But that's baseball for you. That's baseball. I mean, what, what else can you say? Yeah, it's still a little early in the season. Hit us up on the hashtag, though. Hashtag ODPHPod. What are you feeling for your season? How is your team doing? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Uh, and then in some football news, boy, are the Washington Commanders oh my and God. Dan Snyder in some shit. Break this down, bad. Ooh, so I'm uh, going to read some quotes from an article on ESPN.com, uh, which the headline reads, Congress says Washington Commanders appear to have broken financial laws, owe money to visiting teams, season ticket holders. So your article reads in part, quote, The Washington Commanders failed to refund security deposits, concealed revenue, and kept two sets of financial books, the House Oversight and Reform Committee alleged in a letter sent to the Federal Trade Commission. The 20-page letter detailed what the committee said was a years-long process of altering records to hide revenue that led to more profits for the organization. The allegation of uh, financial improprieties were made by former longtime employee Jason Friedman, who, on March 14th, met with members of the uh, committee as part of its investigation into the team's workplace culture. According to emails and an Excel sheet he provided to the committee, Friedman alleged that the, te- that the team have uh, might have retained as much as $5 million in deposits from approximately 2,000 customers. Uh, in the letter, the committee uh, says Friedman claimed the team maintained two books. One was shared with the NFL and the underreported ticket revenue, and another that included the accurate revenue was shown to the owner, Dan Snyder. Washington denied the allegations and, and referred to a statement released on March 31st. Uh, according to a source, Washington was audited by the NFL in 2012, 16, and 19, as is customary for teams. Uh, the source said teams routinely owe a few hundred thousand dollars after these audits. Washington owed an additional $86,000 after its last one. Uh, so basically what would happen is Washington kept one set of books mm-hmm. that they would provide to the NFL and they would take money from some of these ticket sources and revenues and all this, and they would put it in other things that the NFL couldn't touch. Yeah. So they would take, so I know they'd host like, I know they hosted army Navy a couple of times. I know they've hosted Navy uh, Notre Dame a couple of times, basically any event that would take place at FedEx field, they would take, not always, but might've been always, they would take some money from the uh, ticket revenue Put it toward, put it in those accounts so that the NFL couldn't touch it and they could retain all of the money. 
That's not the only shit they got into. This is fucking wild. Oh, I know. Uh, so that's not the only shit they got into, though. Uh, the article goes on to say, when FedEx Field opened in 1997, the organization required a one-time refundable security deposit for certain premium seating as well as private Skybox suites. The deposit was for 25% of the cost of the seats. That deposit was supposed to be returned within 30 days of when the agreement ended. But... Friedman said after Dan Snyder bought the team in 1999, team executives told employees to make it difficult for customers to receive their deposits by increasing the steps needed to receive the money. Some deposits did get returned. Friedman said they would said they also would keep the deposits from people who either had forgotten about them or from family members who inherited the seats from a deceased relative and were unaware the returnable deposits existed. With corporate accounts, he said, the name on the agreement might change over time and, once again, the new person might not know about the initial deposit. Freeman said he was told by Snyder and his former chief operating officer, Mitch Gershman, to find dormant accounts where the likelihood of the customer coming forward and asked for the deposit back is, quote, as lo- close to zero as possible. Hmm. They would then convert the credit on the customer's account that reflected the security deposit into what they termed juice or revenue gained by the team through this pro- through this practice. He said a lot of these practices began in earnest after the team's revenue from attendance declined around 2006 when, according to the letter, things started to get a little tougher for the team financially. Boy, are they in some shit. Yeah, this is going to be messy. Sell the team. Sell the team. He's going to have to. Like, this, if any time that Snyder was going to get pushed to sell, this is going to be it. This is the last shot. Because otherwise, he's been like the Teflon Don. Like, you can't catch him. Yeah, I mean, the article stuff. even goes on to say, according to a May, 16th, May 6th, 2014 email provided by Friedman, he requested help uh, on processing additional ticket sales and revenue from standing room only tickets for the upcoming season. In the email, uh, Friedman told someone that he was charging $55 per ticket, but they were priced at $44 in the system. Uh, he was, uh, uh, Friedman was directed to apply the juice from that extra $11 per ticket to the Navy-Notre Dame game to be held that same year. Teams are required to share 40% of their revenue with the other 31 teams, but the college game was considered non-shareable revenue, which meant that Washington would receive an additional $162,360. Friedman told the committee that uh, this sort of scenario happened, quote, at least a dozen times, close quote. So the fact that he ripped off, allegedly, uh-huh. the other owners uh-huh. and fans, Yo, I'm just saying this. I and it's, I, and it's not just games. Uh, there was an April thirteen, April first, twenty thirteen letter that states the that executives quote appear to discuss intentionally processing eighty eight thousand dollars from shareable revenue from game tickets as non shareable licensing fees from a Kenny Chesney concert the following month. Oh, that. I'm hey just saying yo. this. The, the fact that he burnt the fans is bad. The fact that he burnt the owners allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Uh huh. Uh, I am waiting for Goodell and company to come down with a hammer on them. This is going to get messy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, Wash- and uh, Washington fans might finally get their wish and get his ass out I was going to say, it's now or never for this because I can't. I, As it stands right now, I can't see how he skates with this. There's I, no way. I really can't. There's like, no way. That's just fucking nuts. So for me, I'm uh, going to close out with just a couple quick UFC notes. I know we were talking about who Chimeyev is going to fight, and obviously that welterweight division is getting a little more crazy. This weekend... UFC Fight Night taking place at the Apex. Yeah. Vincent Luque versus Bolil Muhammad. 
So okay. this one, I'm not saying Shemayev might get the winner, but I wouldn't doubt it. And or if, as worst case scenario, Burns gets the winner. So this one is going to be a little, very, very close to call. I know Luke is favored right now as a minus 180. Muhammad is a plus 155. I'm going to go out on the limb, and I'm going to say Muhammad pulls off the upset. Okay. I would say, like, looking on paper, you know, hand-to-hand and matchups, I do like Luke, but I just got a feeling Muhammad's going to pull this off for the upset. Just he Because he's like Robert Whitaker. Every time I bet against him, you know, on paper, he never comes through. So Or he always comes through for somebody else. So that being said... I am just going to say he's going to win this one outright. But the bigger news story going on, though, and I definitely wanted to plug this, is we have a long-awaited rematch that has just been signed for June. Okay. And this is going to be taking place in the women's strawweight division because in 2020 this was arguably my match of the year in MMA. Zhang Wheelie. Joanna Jerjacek. Hey, all right. So they have finally booked the rematch. And if you have never seen the first fight, I highly recommend watching it. These two put on an absolute show. Back and forth. Throwing hands. Zhang won by split. But it was close. Like, it was one of those fights. I got out of it and I said, I don't know who won and I don't care. Like, this is how good this fight was. Will they recapture the magic? It's usually tough to say, but I am okay with this because I think that this is going to be absolute fireworks for June. Like I say, UFC 275 is taking place June 11th. This is going to be a fight to watch, and, man, I don't have an early prediction, but I'm definitely going to be checking this one out. Like, I'm excited about this fight. You know what else I'm excited about, Pat? What's that? We have a friend of ours that we'd like to play at the beginning of the show. Yeah, huh? That made some noise himself. Ooh. Our good friend Brian Wolf, uh-huh. who is very gracious to give us the intro song and outro you know, when we play him, has announced his EP is coming out. Nice. June 4th. Nice. So if you are in the Austin, Texas area, Lambert's is the place to be that night. Go tell Brian you heard on the ODPH you should come down and check it out. He'll say, okay. You can tell him Ken said play some Nickelback. He'll appreciate that. He'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll know the joke with that. But the new EP, according to his Facebook post, is dropping everywhere on June 4th, and he's going to do a live show at Lambert's in Austin, Texas. So doors open at 8 p.m. For more information, Pat, where do you go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on, because you go to the music section. We have all Brian's links right in there with all the other amazing bands we play on the whole 607 Podcast Network. So whether it's Shout at the Robots, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, Floodlands, if we play them on this show, we support the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. And Brian, I, I'm super excited to see what he's got for new music. I know he's been very gracious to send us a song here and there, but this is just breaking about the new EP, so definitely go out and support it if you're in the Austin, Texas area. And like I say, Brian is a super cool dude, so we wish him all the best there with that release party. But while you're at the website, you want to check out Parley Points, which we have new blogs dropping. i got a wrestling blog there. i got more comic blogs. I We are going to coach Duffy to do the Nick Swan song this year. I'm going to – I don't care if i got to text him every day, you know, break him away from doing FanDuel. He will, he will break away and give us something. That will be up there as well. So new blogs you definitely want to go check out. And thank you for everybody that's been reading them. Uh, let's see. The T Public Store. Pad, what is going on this week? Uh, there's a sale. There is a sale. There's a very big sale going on that starts Wednesday and goes through Saturday, I believe. Nice. But to find out, we'll be still obviously doing some social media posts. What better time 
to go get some new gear, new t-shirts, new mugs, new hoodies, new whatever for the spring and summer season because it's going to be hot days and cold nights. You want to get stocked up. You want to definitely go do that. T Public is where it is to, to be at for that. You can go check it right on the webpage. You can also check out the classified section where it's friends of the show, organizational link support and Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we're in. So shout out to the Inner Circle, shout out to the Apollos, and of course, shout out to uh, 607 Podcast and 8122Productions doing big things. The four year birthday party is going down at the end of the month, Pad. Oh, Lord. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's going to be a which, one. Which version? Ah. The older one or one of the newer ones? I want to say it's the older one, okay, but, okay. but I'm but I'm not a hundred percent sure because I know it was just a f- officially officially announced on the Patreon. So April thirtieth, that will be going down probably on Twitch.tv slash Six Seven Podcast. But in the meantime, definitely go support the guys over at Three FN. They're doing a lot of big things there as well. Anything and everything that is the ODPH, the directory. Which how many providers are we on? I almost forgot about that. Uh, seventeen thousand eight hundred and two. See, Pat's got the updated number. I don't keep track of this. All of that and so much more is at odphpodcast.com. So make sure to swing on over and check it out because that's all we got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. We are not fans of the new NBA bracket, and we're just going to leave you with that. But thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Turtle Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Oh, uh-huh.